You are listening to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement here on the America Out Loud Network. I'm your host, Randy Sutton, 34-year police veteran and the author of A Cop's Life. Well, 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 we have got so much to talk about and I got lots to get in. So tell you what, let's take a walk into the briefing room where I'm going to give you my view from the blue. Where to start, where to start, where to start. How about we actually start with a feel-good news story about law enforcement? Normally, I don't do that, as you well know if you listen to this broadcast. Usually, it's pretty much doom and gloom and and insanity. But uh, I found a a great news story, and I just wanted to share it with you guys. Um, The the headline is is, is pretty cool. but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read you for a little bit of the, the first couple of sentences. This is out of Kansas City, Missouri. A single mother who had lost her job amid the coronavirus pandemic and had struggled to pay the bills opted to donate her winnings from a lottery ticket to a police officer shot in the line of duty. Touched by the act of selflessness, a GoFundMe page later created for the woman has raised more than nineteen thousand dollars. This is a pretty, this is a pretty cool story. Okay, um, her name is uh, Shatara Sims. She lives in Kansas City, and she recently went to a grocery store, found a dollar bill in the parking lot, and used it to buy a scratch-off ticket. End up winning a hundred bucks. But her twelve-year-old daughter, Rakia, suggested they give the money to an officer who was shot. On July 2nd, it was still in intensive care. So on July 10th, Shatera anonymously called the Kansas City, Missouri Police Department to donate her winnings to the officer. And she went on to say that she lives in the urban core of Kansas City and her daughter was murdered in 2012. And she said that the detectives who worked her daughter's case were like her therapists, fathers, and lifelines, all in one. So, um... You know, the police department urged her to keep the money, considering her circumstances, but, but she insisted. And, uh, and she said, um, I, think that, I think the family of that officer needs it more. So, you know, I just wanna, I, I wanted to point this out. I wanted to bring this story up because we keep on hearing all of the negativity about law enforcement. We hear all of the, you know, the, the, the hate and the vitriol that's being put out about uh, about the cops, and um, I think that there's a whole lot more people like her out in the communities that really do um, have respect and admiration for their police department. So, a big shout out to her from me, and uh, I hope there's a lot more people that adopt that type of thought process. All right, now let's get into the normal, which is the insanity of what is taking place in America today. I, I, I'm, we could literally talk for hours uh, about what's going on. Let me, let me read you this little, this little piece here. Denver Union asks police leaders to apologize after pro-police rally overrun by counter-protest 
And listen to this quote from the union president. We're not allowed to let one side win, but guess what? We did on Sunday, and for that we were wrong. That's from the union president, Nick Rogers. And stand by because I'm going to invite Nick to be on this program to talk about what took place here. But this is this is um, something that we have seen in Portland, in Seattle, in in other locations in Berkeley. Um, so the president of Denver's police union called on police leadership to apologize for failing to protect pro-police demonstrators who rallied in Civic Center on Sunday and then they were overrun by the counter-protesters. And here's what, here's what, what he continued to say. We, as police officers, were not able to root for one side or the other like the Broncos and the Raiders, he said. We don't get to root for one side or the other. Um, but guess what? We did on Sunday, and for that we were wrong, and for that an apology should be made to every person who was there. Now, I had heard about this protest. Um, it, was a, it was a small group of pro-police uh, demonstrators that had the message of, let's support law enforcement. But a group of the Antifa-like thugs showed up and surrounded them, and, uh, and there was also a very famous journalist there, Michelle Malkin, and she reported about this too. Um, she was attacked, as, as they all were. And the chief of police, a guy named uh, Paul Pazin, or Pazin, um, he ordered the, poli the police officers to stand down and do nothing as the pro-police demonstrators were attacked this is this is stunning and yet this is not the first time we've seen this and this paul pazin character by the way a couple weeks before was marching alongside the anti-police um protesters i mean what is this creeps um methodology here He's gonna he's gonna march with people that hate the police, in 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 a in a political environment, so he can what uh, you know show everybody how how liberal and hip he is, and then when his own police department is called upon to act as cops, he orders them not to. He allowed people to get hurt. In fact, he ordered his cops to leave. And all did except for one unit that was being commanded by a lieutenant who said, you know what, that's an illegal order. We're staying. And if he hadn't stayed, if he hadn't stayed and, and disregarded that order, God knows what kind of carnage and damage could have been done to those people. He's the hero here. He's the one, and, and I guarantee you, he's going to face consequences for this. Uh, you get, I mean, if you get a leader like this Pazin character who is willing to sacrifice his moral and ethical and legal responsibilities because of some wacky political stance, um, you got real problems. And this, uh, this lieutenant had the guts to stand up 
Uh, I'd like to get him on the show, but I, I'm I'm hope I'm hopeful that uh, Nick Rogers, the uh, the Denver Police Protective Association uh, president, will come on and give us a lot more insight about this. But this uh, this is a, a disgusting, yet another disgusting display of leadership. Talk about disgusting displays of leadership. Well. It just wouldn't be a show without talking about Ted Wheeler, the mayor and self-appointed police commissioner of the city of Portland. So, Wheeler, I would I wish I could see the tab that the city of Portland is paying for all of the destruction to that city that's been taking place for almost two months nonstop. Protests, violent protests, attacks on law enforcement almost nightly, graffiti, damaging to uh, damage uh, to cars, damage to buildings, fires set, rocks thrown, bricks thrown, every single night. And uh, a couple nights ago, um, Wheeler shows up to march in solidarity with the people destroying his city. You couldn't make this up. This this moron is marching with the same Cretans who are destroying his city. But in in what I think must be the ultimate irony, um, you know these these Antifa punks and these other fascists and. And, uh, and other assorted creeps that are, uh, you know, involved in all of this violence and destruction. Even though the mayor is kissing their butts, they don't have any respect for him, of course. So what happens? They start shouting him down and then attack him. That is beautiful. So they attack the, the mayor slash self-appointed police commissioner. But guess what? He had his police security detail to protect him. Isn't that just special? So here's so here's this 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 caricature of a mayor who is as anti-law enforcement as they as as they could possibly get. Protesting with the protesters, they turn on him like the rabid animals that they are. And who saves his butt? The police. Who are, can you imagine being assigned to protect that punk? Oh my God! What they they must pay those guys a lot of extra money. Uh, I can't believe anybody would actually take that job. But so the heat, they have to hustle him out. By the way, he gets tear gassed, which I I think is beautiful. But it, now it comes out that um, the federal officers who were guarding the courthouse, which is where the protesters were protesting at because goodness gracious we actually have federal police officers there enforcing laws that no one else is um, they warned the the good mayor that they were going to deploy tear gas but in what is clearly a, a political move uh, he stood by and he t took the tear gas <laughs> I hope he had a great night uh, he then he ran like the like the, the little girl that he is uh, in, into into the safety of a building protected by the police. Yeah, mm, 
Yeah, he's a real leader. Oh, but but here's some of the, here's here's the the other part of this story. So he's not radical enough, right? The, this Wheeler's not radical enough that he that he's he's calling for uh, for the the police can't cannot associate or or work with with federal officers. You know, he's uh, he's egging on the the protesters and the rioters, telling them what a great job they're doing, and uh, and and then uh, uh, what is what does he do? He, you know, he's he's making all these statements, you know, that are anti-law enforcement. But the fire commissioner steps in. Joanne Hardesty is her name. Oh, oh, she's. So I thought Wheeler was the worst. So she's the fire commissioner. I don't know what. I don't know what criteria she becomes a commissioner in the in the city of of Portland, but she she's the fire commissioner. So what does she do? She declares that the Portland Police Bureau are not allowed to utilize the any of the fire stations in order to do, they're not allowed to step foot on the fire stations because you know they're fascists and they're they're you know they're uh, you know racists and so they can't come onto the fire department property and and if that isn't bad enough then she comes out publicly and says this unbelievable statement that there really are no violent protesters in Portland. No, no, no. You see, they're actually saboteurs and provocateurs that are cops. Yeah, that's right. All of those fires are being set, you see, by the police who are pretending to be protesters. Somebody ought to take this creature away in a straitjacket. So the police union up there calls her out as they rightfully should and uh, and then she has to walk back her comments but already you know the incendiary comments that she made first of all then she tells then she says that she that she should take over the police department can can you can you get uh, this is this is like some weird surrealistic kind of sci-fi movie where where they're they're fighting amongst themselves devouring each other in their quest to destroy their own city and meanwhile the police are powerless they're leaderless they're powerless they are ordered to stand down they are ordered to watch the city burn to for crime to to uh just seep all over the city and um and no one does anything and the people of portland are are they are they mad as well? Are they nuts to allow their elected officials to act like this and destroy their city? I, you know, maybe you do get the the government that you deserve. I, I, I don't know. I mean, is 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 Portland completely? I mean, are they out of their trees? Judging by their elected officials, uh, it would seem so. So that's that's the Portland update, uh, but it's certainly not it's certainly not um, the insanity is certainly not confined there. Then we have uh, 
Then we have this story. You know, I, I thought, I really thought that I had read and heard about every horrible, horrendous treatment of cops in this country. I thought I'd, I'd seen it all and heard it all. Well, just when you think you have, you hear a story like this one. Let's take a little journey to North Chicago, Illinois. Well, we all know what a, what a great city Chicago is when it comes down to uh, law enforcement and crime. Well, the North Chicago, Illinois County or City Commission, the city is revoking the pensions of disabled, retired cops who wouldn't come out of retirement. You heard me right. They, 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 they said that there was an emergency call-up of retired, disabled police officers, and they had to come work at the 911 call center, by the way, which no longer exists. And there are these are guys who are suffering from all kinds of ailments, I mean, some can't even walk. They don't even live in the city anymore. And they said, if you don't come back to work under, by the way, there is some obscure clause in their, in their city charter that's never been used in history. And they decided to use it against disabled, retired police officers. And, and they're actually doing it. They're actually taking the pensions away. This isn't just a threat for some obscure reason. And you get, there's no one that will talk about it. There's no one in the county government that you can get a response from. They're certainly not going to talk to me. They, I, I wouldn't, I didn't even get a, I didn't even get a, uh, a response to my phone calls there. But this is the type of treatment that, that law enforcement is receiving all over the country. The lack of compassion, the lack of empathy, the lack of, of, of common sense and morality has, has seemingly, seemingly been lost uh, when it comes down to any thought processes concerning law enforcement from one part of the this country to the other so we could continue for hours as i said but we're kind of running out of time we got a great guest waiting for us in the interview room i have to confess that i have been ignorant to cbd for pretty much uh my entire life okay now as a, as a cop what did i do i arrested people for marijuana and and then when when they Ah, this sucked. Luxvite spot. Three, two, one. I want to tell you about a product that I never thought that I would be speaking about, let alone <laughs> endorsing and admitting the use of, and that's CBD. Uh, I, I was completely ignorant to it until some people that I have worked with were telling me that it worked so well. Um, I had people tell me that they had arthritis pain and they used uh, CBD cream on it. And, and there was just a, several people. Well, I, I didn't give it much thought, really. 
until a retired New York City uh, police officer uh, came to me and said that he was in the CBD business and he wanted to advertise on this program. So at first, I got to tell you, I was a little nervous. Uh, I was a little uncomfortable. But he told me all about what this product does. It's called Luxfite. And um, th it comes in all kinds of different preparations. And he said, look, why don't you try it, see what you think. And um, if you believe in it, then, you know, I'd like to advertise. So I did. And I do. Luxfite. Go to luxfitecbd.com. Uh, Luxfite. That's L-U-X-V-I-T-E-C-B-D.com. It's got all kinds of uh, potions and 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 all kinds of um, uh, ointments, etc. Uh, I got to tell you, I am impressed. It has no THC content. That was one of the things that um, that this uh, uh, owner of this business told me about. And he is a great guy. Uh, spent uh, many many years in law enforcement. Retired from the NYPD, and he wouldn't have gotten involved in it until he did his research. And he did great products. LuxviteCBD.com. That's Luxvite, L-U-X-V-I-T-E-C-B-D.com. Check it out. I think you'll be glad you did. If there is one thing that I truly love, it is my morning coffee. I, I, I love it. I love it. I probably drink three to four cups in the morning, and there is nothing like that first sip of that rich brew. Well, guess what? Uh, there is a coffee company that you have got to try. It's Law Dog Coffee. Law Dog Coffee is a police friendly because it is uh, not only a police friendly, but uh, Law Dog is the number one sponsor of the Wounded Blue. And so I got to tell you, I am more than uh, appreciative of what Law Dog Coffee does for for injured officers. But I wouldn't drink it unless it was really, really good. There's all kinds of different blends. It is amazing stuff from Costa Rica. And it's uh, uh, brewed, excuse me, it is manufactured or uh, roasted, excuse me. That's the right word. Roasted in a facility that's been around for 90 years from the same family. This is amazing coffee. Of course, donut shop blend is my favorite. I, I don't know why. But it is truly amazing coffee. Go to LawDogCoffee.com. That's LawDogCoffee.com. It is amazing stuff. Um, it'll they deliver it directly to your house. Uh, you go on a subscription. Uh, trust me, this is some of the best coffee you will ever have. And they donate uh, very heavily to the Wounded Blue. So check it out. Law Dog Coffee. Tastes so good, it ought to be illegal. We're going to have a celebration. Yes, we are. A law enforcement celebration. A celebration of unity and pride. And we sure as hell can use it about now. Um, it is for the benefit of the Wounded Blue, the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. But this is going to be a hell of an event. It's called the Brothers in Blue Bash. That's the Brothers in Blue Bash. Mark this off on your calendar. October 17th. That's October 17th. That's about, what, four or five months from now. Uh, Vegas is, is open, and we are having it at an amazing event center. Uh, hotel is, uh, is uh, giving incredible rates. Uh, it's the uh, Orleans Hotel. Go to the Brothers in Blue Bash 
Las Vegas on Facebook. That's the Brothers in Blue Bash Las Vegas on Facebook. And read all about it. Check it out. It's going to be a great party. It's going to be a great celebration. And it's going to have a lot of meaning. It's going to have a lot of meaning because this is going to be the largest celebration of law enforcement, unity, and pride in America. Check it out. The Brothers in Blue Bash. This is open to all law enforcement, current and former. And if you support law enforcement, you're more than welcome to come. Uh, come, come see how, uh, how we celebrate our, our uh, profession and uh, be part of this celebration. The Brothers in Blue Bash, October 17th, right here in Las Vegas. Check out the Brothers in Blue Bash on Facebook. It's uh, Get your tickets. They're only 85 bucks. Excuse me. Uh, 95 bucks, and you can't beat it. Great dinner. Incredible entertainment. Live auction, silent auction. Some speakers that you don't want to miss. So check it out. The Brothers in Blue Bash, Las Vegas, on Facebook. Get your tickets. Run a table. Buy a table. Hell, it's only 850 bucks. And uh, if you want to be a sponsor for this, uh, we've we've got some tremendous sponsorships. Uh, contact me personally, Randy at thewoundedblue.org. That's Randy at thewoundedblue.org, and uh, we'll send you a little sponsorship package. Be there October seventeenth. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. As we celebrate our four-year anniversary, thank you for making it all possible. Well, should it news deliver truth and inspire us to reach higher? With blogs, podcasts, video, and 24-7 talk radio on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. With me today in the interview room, Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, is Eric Early. Eric is an attorney in uh, in the state of California, and he is running for um, uh, against a, 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 a an incumbent. Um, and uh, he is running for a uh, election to the United States House to represent the 28th congressional district. It's not easy to say, quite honestly, Eric. And you're you're uh, you're running against Adam Schiff. Is that correct? Uh, you got it, Randy. I'm running against the worst congressman of our lifetime, as far as I'm concerned. Well, Adam Schiff. Yeah. You're not really going to get an argument from me on that, but but let let's so let's talk about you, uh, Eric. Um, give us a little bit of background about uh, who you are, and um, and and what made you make this decision. Well, uh, Randy, I'm not an I'm not a politician. Uh, I'm an attorney. I run a a, a law firm between 25 and 30 lawyers. Uh, we started it 10 years ago, myself and four other guys broke away from a big fancy Century City law firm here in Los Angeles. We decided to go out on our own. And, uh, and, and we, you know, we brought it up, we've grown to this uh, nationally recognized law firm. I'm the managing partner. I sign the front of a lot of checks every two weeks. We do business litigation, uh, real estate litigation, fraud litigation, contract litigation, uh, represent businesses big and small, represent all kinds of people, uh, and practice in courts all around America. And, um, 
and I got an incredible family. Uh, I've got two grown children. Uh, my uh, fiance, who is a Navy brat, has two grown children. In fact, her her uh, her son is on an aircraft carrier right now. We're very proud of him. Uh, her dad was in the Navy 27 years, so she grew up behind barbed wire. She likes to say she's a nurse. My dad was in the Marines. He, he fought in combat in North Korea back in the day. Unfortunately, he's no longer with us. He came back with a Purple Heart. So, you know, I've got a really blessed life, Randy, and I don't need politics, but um, I don't like what I see going on in the country today. Uh, and this has been going on for several years now. Uh, in the 2016 election cycle, I ran for my first, uh, first time I ran for public office, I ran for uh, attorney general of the state of California, which is a pretty lofty position. And uh, I remember looking at Emerald, my fiance, <laughs> after I jumped in the race one night, I said, am I crazy? I should be running for dog catcher. <laughs> and, and she looked at me and she said, go big or go home, honey. There you and, go. <laughs> exactly. And by the time we were done, you know, we had campaigned up and down the state. I had gotten many great endorsements and I got on almost a million votes statewide in that election. Uh, that's, pr that's pretty damn good for your first was, time out. It, it was remarkable. You know, I like to joke that uh, between Emerald and I, we'd count up the votes and we got about, we knew about 443 people who voted for me. So we're still, <laughs> we're still trying to figure out how we got the rest, but it was an incredible experience. And so uh, flash forward to last July, um, you know, I had been watching Schiff get on TV uh, every weekend on the news shows and just tell us how he had actual evidence of, of the president colluding with the Russians to get elected. And I knew from day one that that was just an outrage that the president never colluded with Russians to get elected. So I knew Schiff was lying to my face and, and I took it personally and I didn't like it. And then I saw, uh, I saw people, other people were getting in the race and I didn't think there was anybody else good getting in the race to challenge him. So I spoke to my family. I spoke to my, uh, the political folks I know and, Last July, I jumped in the race against Schiff, and uh, you know I got endorsed by the LA County Republican Party and the State of California Republican Party, and many great people, uh, you know, including, for example, a very good friend of mine, the former DA of LA County, Steve Cooley, who is uh, as pro law enforcement as they come. Uh, and Steve had actually endorsed me when I ran for Attorney General. Uh, lots of great people, the former Governor Pete Wilson, and. So I've got a lot of great endorsements, and there was a primary on March 3rd in our state. There were eight of us in the race, and the top two go forward, and thankfully uh, I was one of the top two, so now it's me versus Schiff uh, going into the general election coming up. we got a great team, uh, got a lot of people on our team, and got a lot of great things going on, Randy. That's So, okay, I want to talk to you about this. Is a, this is an arena that, that I'm really not familiar with. Um, you know, the, the political uh, arena, so to speak, of, of yeah. the, the mechanics of, you know, when you make a decision to, to run for office, um, you know, you're, okay, you know, you're, you're a Republican in one of the, the bluest states, yeah. the bluest state probably in the United States. Um, so, you know, you're, you're, you're already at a disadvantage. Um, then you're, you're running against an incumbent when you make that decision to throw your hat in the rings using the, I hope I'm using the correct parlance here. Um, 
there's got to be, I mean, you're talking about a huge commitment of time yeah. and money and, and heartache and, you know, what drives you to do it? Well, first of all, everything you just said is correct. It's a massive commitment. Uh, you know, I'm lucky because I'm the managing partner of my law firm. Uh, I get to delegate to a lot of sort of young, brilliant lawyers to uh, handle stuff. I have to keep the clients happy and such, but it enables me to devote the massive amount of time to do this. Um, but what drives me to do it? Listen, I'm, I love America. I love our country uh, deeply. And, uh, and I want to see the America that, that we grew up with, Randy. I want to see this, this, this shining city on a hill, as President Reagan used to call it. I want to see it continue for our children and for their children and for the future. And I've, I've been seeing now for several years now, I saw it before I got involved in my race for attorney general, uh, the, these evil forces, uh, they used to be in the background of the Democrat Party. And they've started to make their way into the Congress in the Democrat Party, these squad members. Uh, you know, these, these people, these Bernie Sanders, these people are pushing socialism, which is really communism on our country. And I, I firmly believe we're in a battle of good versus evil in this country. And, uh, and you see these people and they're trying to shut us all up. And, you know, frankly, between that, between Schiff's conduct and his lies, and the fact that he's abandoned our district, you put that together. As as I say, I got fed up, so I stepped up, um, and uh, so I'm I'm very very driven to do this because of uh, you know my beliefs and my convictions. Uh, I don't need it, and uh, like so, and most of these politicians, most of these people running, you know, if they don't have this politics or whatever, I don't know what they I don't know what they do with their life. Uh, I don't need it, but uh, but I'm I'm glad I'm doing it. And you know, Randy, I speak all around California, all around the district. And yes, this state is very blue, but I could tell you, there's a massive red heartbeat, a very strong red heartbeat in this state. And most people in the country and most people in our state don't even know it because the mainstream media doesn't want anybody to know it. You know, so I, I do this for all people of all races, creeds, colors, sexual orientation, all American citizens. As long as they're not breaking the law, uh, I'm fighting for them and I'm fighting for this great country. So that's why I do it. And even though it is a huge time commitment uh, and a tremendous amount of everything, and yeah, there's no guarantee you're going to win anything. It's a big uphill battle in this district, certainly, because it's very blue in this district. But this can be won. And I firmly believe from what I see and what I hear and talking and every and and the conduct of the other party that this state, we're going to take back this state one of these days, too. I have no doubt. I don't know exactly when, but I don't think it's going to be that far in the future. And we're going to have to rebuild this state from the ground up. So that's what keeps me going. And I got to tell you, I love doing it. I love I love uh, speaking to people, I love meeting people, I love talking and uh, and I love fighting for people. I mean, that's, that's what I do for a living. So that's, that's in a nutshell. And you know, I'm very, I'm very blessed, Randy, uh, in that my, uh, Emerald, my fiance is with me every step of the way here and she's a rock and she supports me a thousand percent. And when you're going through this process, you have to have somebody like that, uh, you know, going through it with you. I can imagine. So, you know, this is this, uh, this program that you're on right now, the voice of American law enforcement, Blue Lives yeah. Radio. 
um, you know, we, uh, we are a law enforcement based program. Yeah. So, um, you know, we are seeing um, an absolutely, and when I use this word, I mean, when I say the word incredible, I mean it in the truest sense, unbelievable and incredibly damaging um, uh, attacks on not just not just the police, but our entire criminal justice system. And much of it is led by people in your state. Yep. Um, how do you how do you plan to combat that? Well, let me start by saying, Randy, and this is not new. I've been like this for years when I ran for attorney general for it. I think it was four years ago. Same thing. Uh, I am incredibly pro law enforcement. Uh, I, uh, you know, these, these psychos who are out there arguing to defund the cops right now, it makes me sick, you know? Uh, and then we're in the state of California. We got this really the spineless worm of a mayor here in Los Angeles, uh, named Garcetti. Uh, he, he, uh, he got on his knees, you know, I've been saying more and more, you know, we were watching what was going on out here a month or so ago when these, these maniacs were out here looting and burning and rioting. And I, you mean, out, you must mean the, the peaceful protests. Oh yeah, exactly. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the peaceful protesters. And I'll be clear. I support the first amendment. I support everybody's right to peacefully protest, demonstrate, uh, you know, fight for their position, but looting, rioting, burning, uh, these people are sick. And, uh, and, and we all saw what was going on out here. I mean, it was on TV 24 seven out here. Our cops were incredible. The restraint they showed with these savages throwing rocks at them, throwing bricks at them, throwing water bottles at them, throwing metal bars at them, running up into their face and threatening to, to, you know, attack them. And our cops stood their ground and then what was the reward they got a week or so later? We had this spineless mayor announce that he has taken $150 million from the already cash-strapped Los Angeles Police Department and giving it to these groups. And I'm a taxpayer here. I didn't give him my position. I don't know any taxpayer uh, permission. I don't know any other, uh, taxpayer out here that gave him their permission to do it. And by the way, we don't know what groups he's paying. I call it paying ransom. We don't know what groups he's paying this ransom to. I, I, I can assure you at least 80% of that money is going to bad forces. So, uh, and of course, Schiff, my opponent, he got on his knees right away and raised his hands in supporting in support of the defund the police movement. We got this governor out here who I call the empty suit, Newsom. Same thing. Uh, you know, I, I'm saying more and more, Randy, uh, we are effectively in a leaderless state in here in California. These are not leaders. These are politically correct, spineless, presidential wannabes who think they can follow the dots, check the numbers, say what they have to say to keep getting reelected. Uh, these are not, those are not leaders, as you know. Leaders have to say the tough things. Leaders can't say the politically correct things. So, you know, this just further fuels my uh, fire to go after this guy's shift. And uh, another thing that I say, Randy, one of the things that pisses me off so much is in this day and age, when our great men and women of law enforcement are under fire, you know, literally and figurative, figuratively all around the country 
from these these maniacs on the far left. Uh, we don't have one leader in the state of California that has the guts and the decency and the class, the convictions and the strength to come out and, and support law enforcement unequivocally. And, you know, it makes me sick. So, you know, I think your listeners are hearing right now, Randy, I know you're hearing, I don't speak like a politician because I'm not a politician. You know, I say what I believe. And these are the things I believe in, you know, and I've got a lot of friends in law enforcement. Uh, a very good friend of mine is a, uh, was LAPD 25 years. He's former rank, uh, rank of file 25 years, and then became police chief in two smaller uh, jurisdictions in the state here. And, um, you know, uh, I will do everything I can to support law enforcement. Yeah. Uh, that, that guy that killed George Floyd, I believe George Floyd was murdered and he needs to be punished to the fullest extent of the law. But, uh, you know, 98% of cops or so are good, honest, decent people, uh, doing thousands of acts of heroism and acts of kindness every day of the week. And for some reason, Randy, we never see those videos, do we? Not, not only do we not see those videos, yeah. you see the the two popular shows, Cops and Live PD, yeah. taken off the air because of this environment. So let, yeah. let, while you're talking about your, your empty suit, Newsom, yeah. uh, he recently came out and, and it basically said he wants to close the prisons. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sorry, I, these people are sick, man. You know, you have Proposition 47 out here, which they uh, they lied to the people to get the people to vote for it because they named it the uh, Safe Neighborhoods and Schools Act. Didn't they get and, the Golden Fleece Award, if I remember correctly? Uh, I'm not sure what it got, but I know <laughs> it, what, it, what, it, what it did get was it, get a, it got a lot of uh, innocent people in California uh, open for a lot more crime. Uh, now you can steal up to $950 on each occurrence and nothing happens to you. Uh, and businesses are constantly dealing with people, homeowners, everybody dealing with these people. As you know, the criminals know the law better than anybody else. And uh, that's why if you drive to San Francisco, if you park your car there, if you're able to leave that town without your car being uh, broken into, you could consider that uh, a very lucky trip you've had. Uh, they're crazy. Then there's Proposition 57 with, uh, you know, the redistribution to from, uh, you know, state to local prisons and, you know, and on and on. And, and these people are nuts. I call it uh, what they've created out here and what they continue to create a criminal's paradise in California. And my opponent shift is part of that problem. So, you know, you know, the mainstream media and these, uh, these, uh, duplicitous uh, politicians on the other side have kept the people believing that everything's going just fine here, but more and more people are starting to get the joke and figure it out. I do believe, like I said, the worm's going to turn out here. So, you know, you know, Randy, these are, these are some of the reasons why I'm fighting. We've got to get back our state. We've got to take back the state. We've got to rebuild it from the ground up. We've got to give law enforcement the tools they need to fight crime again. And we've got to get rid of those insane bills that have been emptying out the prisons. Uh, you know, you know about the zero bail thing now. Uh, it's nuts. It's nuts. And um, and we got to take the shackles off law enforcement again. So uh, 
you know, I will do whatever I can to support law enforcement, you know, and, you know, my, as, as my buddy, the former chief tells me, says, Eric, listen, all the chiefs know of the small amount of bad cops on the force, and we need to be able to, to, to fire them. And he, he was never able to fire the small amount of bad cops. He said, Eric, you get rid of that. We don't have any of these problems. So, you know, there's a lot of things I'm, I'm looking at, thinking about taking into account, but, um, I'm a major supporter of law enforcement and I want to do whatever we can for them. You know, I speak to a lot of cops. I'm amazed and, you know, you know, I'm, I'm not a cop, but I speak to them. I know a lot of your listeners know this. I'm amazed at how young so many of these, these <laughs> men and women are, you know, I talk to them and I, I feel like I'm talking to my kids and they are the best. These, these young cops are the best and the brightest of America. They're the future of America. As all your listeners know, they, they're black, they're white, they're Asian, they're brown. Uh, and I want to protect them like I, like I want to protect my own kids. And it makes me sick to see what's going on out there with these, these really, these morons. I mean, look at what's going on in Portland right now, for example. They're, they're sick. Yeah, it is. It real. It really is. So, okay. So you you spent how many years have you been a practicing attorney? Twenty seven years. Okay. So you got almost three decades. Yeah. With with you know serving as as an attorney, you have a much greater knowledge of the intricacies of the criminal justice system than the average person. Um, what would you you get elected? And you're in, in the position of being uh, in, in Congress. How would you combat what is, you know, the, the, um, the issues here uh, that, are, that are plaguing the American law enforcement officer and the criminal justice system? You know, we're seeing literally um, the agenda of Black Lives Matter, which is, yeah. to, which is to literally um, take down the American criminal justice system that's they they don't make any bones about it um and we've seen them make tremendous inroads how would you combat that well let me talk let me talk about that first um black lives matter i've been very clear in my positions on this and and one thing i told you before we got on randy um ever since i've been running in this particular race i've been offered and i'm now the host of three different radio shows here that that go all around Southern California. I've never been radios before. So everything I'm telling you now, I'm very public with everything that I'm saying. And it's been a great outlet for me. Um, as far as Black Lives Matter, I do not support an organization. It's really a company called, quote, Black, capital B, Lives, capital L, Matter, capital M. They want to defund cops, as you said. They're hooked up with these Antifa psychos. They they support anarchists. They support the destruction of the entire fabric of America. Uh, I believe they're communists. I believe they're socialists. Uh, and as you see from these demonstrations in some kind of perverse world we're now living in, most of these kids demonstrating for BLM, they're all white, okay? As a cop in Portland said the other day, there are more minorities on the police force than are demonstrating. <laughs> I saw that. Was, that was a great quote. <laughs> it is. It's amazing. And, um, you know, I absolutely support black lives. Absolutely. I support white lives. I support brown lives. I support Asian lives. I support Christian lives. I support Jewish lives. But I will not support an organization called Black Lives Matter. 
my opponent, of course, got on his knees and raised his fist at Black Lives Matter. So we got we got to we got to be very clear and we got to be strong and we got to say this message. And as you know, Randy, the other side will do anything they can to shut people like me up, and they're not going to shut us up because this is America, and we're Americans, and we will not be shut down. So, so that brings you know, up another question I have for you. Yeah. We're, we're getting close to the end of our time, but I, I, when you're talking about the, I mean, we have this cancel culture and oh, shutting yeah. down voices. Mm -hmm. um, has the media uh, that, 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 you know, you, your, your voice needs to be heard by the, ma by the mass, masses of yeah. California. Yeah. What has been the media response to your campaign? Mainstream media out here, you know, LA Times and the mainstream outlets, they don't want my voice out there. They, they, uh, they, they stay away from me. And so, uh, you know, thankfully I've got uh, these, these more conservative radio talk shows that have been uh, made available to me, but a lot of people are hearing me that way. Uh, and at some point the mainstream media is going to have to listen to me, but I don't, I don't expect to get a good reaction from them because I'm no fan of theirs and I've been criticizing them as well. I mean, the Los Angeles times, for example, is run by the same, same group of, uh, politically correct, uh, kids that are up there demonstrating. It's the same thought process. Um, and let me say another big issue for me, Randy. Uh, I believe so much of what we're seeing now comes from the result of kids being put through these 20-year indoctrination programs called their public schools, and in many instances, their private schools. And I know a lot about this because I'm leading a lawsuit of over 300 great people up in Santa Barbara right now. We're suing the public school district up there for paying more than one and a half million dollars over the last 10 years to one of these, you know, what I call social justice warrior groups to come in and indoctrinate the kids uh, with some of the most anti-American, anti-cop, anti-Caucasian, uh, pro-socialist, uh, you know, anti-religious, sexually crazy stuff. And I'm hearing from parents all around the country. It's going on all around the country under our noses. And that's where these kids who tear down statues, want to rewrite our history and do everything they're doing are coming from right now. They're, they've been completely brainwashed. They're essentially hopeless because of the brainwashing that's been done on them. So when I get to D.C., big issue for me is we got to wrap around we got to wrap our arms around the schools again. I got a lot of thoughts about it, but we've got to start getting back the brains of our next generation of kids. You couldn't. I I, I have nothing but respect for what you're saying. Um, we've uh, we've run out of time, but uh, Eric Early, um, I yeah. want to thank you so much for coming on to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, and I wish you nothing but luck in your. Uh, in your fight to to uh, Thanks, un unseat um, a guy who I believe is is been truly a negative force against yeah. our country and against law enforcement. So Eric Early, uh, once again running for twenty California's twenty eighth congressional district. Thanks Randy, so much. Thanks, Randy. Let me just jump in. If anybody wants to read about me, uh, donate. Uh, we're we're fueled by small donations nationwide. We're doing great. Uh, www.ericearly.com, E-R-I-C-E-A-R-L-Y.com. You can read about my positions and uh, look at the campaign and give you the links to, uh, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all those other things we got going on. But uh, Randy, we'll, thank we'll you so make much. sure we'll make sure we put that up on the on the website. Mm -hmm. uh, and thanks so much, Eric. Uh, best of luck to you. All right, and Godspeed to everybody out there who's listening to this program. I am fully behind you. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Hi, this is Lieutenant Randy Sutton with the Wounded Blue. Did you know that every year approximately 58,000 police officers are attacked in the line of duty? Nearly 1,000 officers have been injured in just the last month during these riots and protests. Surprisingly, many of these police departments don't cover their injuries or don't cover them well. But the Wounded Blue is here to help. We offer wounded officers help with telemedicine appointments, CAT scans, post-traumatic stress counseling, and more. Help support our frontline responders. Give today to thewoundedblue.org forward slash donate. Yep, that's thewoundedblue.org slash donate. Thank you. End of Watch with Randy Sutton. Each week on Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, we pay our respects to the men and women of the profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. Unfortunately, there are a lot of names to read again this week. The first is Corrections Officer 5, Jerry Esparza of the Texas Department of Criminal Justice in Texas. Corrections Officer 5, Jerry Esparza, died after contracting COVID-19 during an outbreak among staff and inmates at the Jester 3 unit in Richmond, Texas. He had served with the Texas Department of Criminal Justice for 25 years. He is survived by his wife and four children. Correction Officer 5, Jerry Esparza, Texas Department of Criminal Justice, end of watch, Wednesday, July 15, 2020. Next is Deputy Sheriff William Garner of the Franklin County Sheriff's Office in Georgia. Deputy Sheriff Bill Garner was struck and killed by a vehicle while at the scene of a single vehicle crash at about 7.15 p.m. He was assisting the occupants of the involved vehicle when another vehicle lost control, entered the median, and struck him. Deputy Garner was transported to the hospital where he succumbed to his injuries. The man driving the vehicle that struck him was charged with homicide by vehicle. Deputy Garner served with the Franklin Sheriff's Office for one year. He had previously served with the Oconee County Sheriff's Office and the Pendergrass Police Department for 12 years. He is survived by his wife and parents. Deputy Sheriff William Garner, Franklin County Sheriff's Office, Georgia. End of watch, Sunday, July 19, 2020. Captain Glenn Allen Green, Pike County Sheriff's Office, Mississippi. Captain Glenn Green died after contracting COVID-19 during an outbreak among staff and inmates at the Pike County Correctional Facility. Captain Green was a U.S. Army veteran of the Vietnam War. He had previously served with the Mississippi Highway Patrol. Captain Glenn Allen Green, Pike County Sheriff's Office, Mississippi, end of watch Monday, July 6, 2020. Deputy Sheriff Stephen Allen Minor, Rockdale County Sheriff's Office in Georgia. Deputy Sheriff Stephen Minor died after contracting COVID-19 while on duty. Deputy Minor served with the Rockdale County Sheriff's Office for 19 years. He is survived by his wife, three daughters, grandchildren, twin brothers, and two sisters. Deputy Sheriff Stephen Allen Minor, Rockdale County Sheriff's Office, Georgia, end of watch, Wednesday, June 24, 2020. Parole Officer 4, Joseph William Lang, Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Parole Officer Joseph Lang died after contracting COVID-19 while performing offender supervision duties. Officer Lang had served the Texas Department of Criminal Justice Parole Division for 25 years. He is survived by his son, mother, and father. Parole Officer 4, Joseph William Lang, Texas Department of Criminal Justice. End of Watch, Wednesday, July 1st, 2020. Director N. Kyle Coleman, 
Bexar County Fire Marshal's Office, Texas. Director Kyle Coleman died after contracting COVID-19 while coordinating the county's emergency response to the pandemic. Detect Director Coleman has served in law enforcement for 46 years. He had retired from the Bexar County Sheriff's Office before joining the Bexar County Fire Marshal's Office, where he remained a sworn law enforcement officer and served as the County Director of Office of Emergency Management. He is survived by his wife and two stepsisters. Director N. Kyle Coleman, Bexar County Fire Marshal's Office. End of watch Tuesday, July 14, 2020. Corrections Officer Marshal Lee Bem London, Jr., Lincoln County Sheriff's Office, Mississippi. Corrections Officer Marshal London died after contracting COVID-19 during an outbreak among staff at the Lincoln County Jail. Officer London served at the Lincoln County Sheriff's Office for 16 years. He is survived by his children and grandchildren. Corrections Officer Marshal Lee Bem London, Jr., Lincoln County Sheriff's Office, Mississippi. End of watch, Monday, May 18, 2020. Chief of Police Marvin Wayne Trejo, Dumas Police Department, Texas. Chief of Police Marvin Trejo died after contracting COVID-19 during an outbreak within the Dumas Police Department. Chief Trejo was a U.S. Marine Corps veteran, served in law enforcement for 30 years. He is survived by his wife and four children. Chief of Police Marvin Wayne Trejo, Dumas Police Department, Texas. End of watch Sunday, May 10, 2020. And Corrections Officer for Jackson Pongay, Texas Department of Criminal Justice. Corrections Officer Jackson Pongay died after contracting COVID-19 during an outbreak among staff and inmates at the Lyncher State Jail in Humble. He had served with the Texas Department of Criminal Justice for four years. Corrections Officer 4, Jackson Pongay, Texas Department of Criminal Justice. End of watch, Sunday, July 19, 2020. May they rest in peace. Hey, thanks so much for joining me this week on this episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, here on America Out Loud. Listen, follow me on Facebook. It is the voice of American law enforcement. Uh, also, Twitter, at LT Randy Sutton. Oh, I think I have some other social media accounts, but I don't use them that much. So, Facebook, if you've got some story ideas or some feedback, hit me up over there. And we will uh, we'll see you again next week, right here on America Out Loud. <laughs>